Thank you for tuning into Leadership Uncensored with Ed Young. For more leadership handles, follow Ed on social media and check out edyoung.com. We also want to invite you to join us every weekend at Fellowship Church. Visit one of our many locations or even join us online. For locations and experience times, visit fellowshipchurch.com. And now, it's time for the raw and real. This is Leadership Uncensored. Hi, I'm Ed Young. Welcome to Leadership Uncensored. I'm having a great time with this podcast today. I have a very interesting guest. This guy is like the Sultan of Cool. His name is uh, Austin Curry. Austin, how are you doing, man? Good. Good morning. Well, it's great, great to have you here on this Leadership Uncensored. And Austin is an attorney, uh, a very, very successful one. How old are you, Austin? 35. Gosh. He's only 35 years old, and he's just taking me on a tour of of probably the coolest offices I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I, I after touring these offices, Austin, I want to I want to possibly uh, work here if I could. Right. <laughs> but anyway, Austin, the great thing about this is you know we've not talked in depth just about your your life and your background. Tell me a little bit about your life. How did you get to where you are today? Thirty five years old, a very successful attorney. Just 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 give me the uh, cliff notes of that. In terms of my career, I, I grew up in Arlington, Texas, and a couple things happened in my life that really made a change and a difference in terms of my path. And one of those things was just graduating high school. And it wasn't the graduation itself per se, it was the fact that I did not graduate high in my class, and it really bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went to college, I went to SMU, right. and I enrolled in the engineering program, and what I wanted to do, and it was a very ambitious goal, but I wanted to literally make a hundred on everything, tests, homework, et cetera. And I fell short of that goal, naturally, but at, during those four years of college, I was studying around the clock. I mean, just absolutely killing it. Just totally immersed in it. Absolutely. And um, then I, I graduated um, at the top of my engineering class at SMU. And the, the problem was I, I had already decided that I did not want to actually be an engineer. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a big question about you know, what, what I could do with an engineering degree other than being an engineer. And I was pretty close with a lot of the people on the engineering faculty at SMU, and one of the things that they said to me as a possibility was that you could go be an attorney and work with patents. And so I looked into it more and um, decided that that's what I was going to do. So I explain to me, Austin, too, just into in for not only for me but for for those people who are listening to this right now, a patent. What, would you give me just a layman's sure. definition of a patent? Sure. So a, a patent is a property right conferred to an inventor by the U.S. government for an invention. Okay. It, it actually has its origins in the Constitution itself. The Constitution uh, authorizes Congress to issue patents to inventors. And so when an inventor has an idea, uh, the inventor can apply for a patent to the patent office it's a process that takes you know, roughly two to three years. Mm -hmm. um, some can take much longer. 
And then if the patent office determines that the invention was novel, in other words, no one had come up with this invention before, and non-obvious, in other words, it's not just a obvious incremental improvement on the technology, then the patent office will issue a patent. Now the patent is something that doesn't really give you a right to practice the invention, it gives you a right to exclude others from practicing the invention. And so really the only thing that you can do with a patent is license it to companies that want to make the product, mm -hmm. or you can sue people, uh, sue companies who infringe that patent without your authorization. I see. And so what we do is, in this process, there are attorneys that help inventors apply for the patent mm -hmm. and work and interface with the U.S. Patent Office. We don't do that. Those are patent attorneys. We're on the side of the equation where a large corporation has infringed a patent, the inventor needs help to enforce his patent, and so we'll either reach out to that corporation and, and engage in licensing negotiations, or if those fail, we'll file suit and have um, the court system figure out you know, how much the inventor is owed, whether the, the patent is actually infringed, mm -hmm. et cetera. So that, that's what we do. And so you've been doing this for how long now, Austin? About 10 years. Austin, what, what, um, uh, what are some leadership principles? Because obviously you're not standing leader, very bright. But what are some leadership principles that you would say have helped you thus far? I mean, what are some things that you do that you think would be <clears throat> unique? Um, I think that my firm is very focused on integrity. It's something that's very important to us. And, um, you, know, I, you know, unfortunately, that's just not true in a lot of law firms. A lot of law firms will <laughs> yeah, um, say whatever they think will win th that particular right. issue, even if it's not actually true. Mm -hmm. And they'll take different positions and, yes. and things like that. For us, uh, we, want, we truly want to get to the right answer. We would never misrepresent something to right. a judge. And we do this kind of for selfish reasons. I mean, I think judges understand who has integrity mm -hmm. and who doesn't. And even if a judge doesn't, you know, is in front of lawyers that the judge has never seen or heard argument before, slowly through the course of a, a litigation, and a litigation can be long, it could be two years, it can be 10, the judge, judges are smart. They'll figure out who has integrity and who doesn't. We focus on being the side with integrity. That's great. Uh, one other thing that is particularly important to me is that we never, we never go after people's livelihoods. Mm -hmm. We'll press our case. We'll, we'll, we'll litigate it very, very hard on the merits. But there have been opportunities where we could have, for example, you know, punished a, an opposing lawyer personally, um, you know, maybe even gotten someone disbarred. Yes. I never, ever what? explore that route right. because, you know, people matter. Mm -hmm. uh, even if people have messed up, um, there's 
I, I don't I don't want to put anyone on the street. Right. And um, and even when people have done those mm-hmm. underhanded tactics to us, we never reciprocate. Yes. Austin, talk to me about if someone came up to you on the street and, and, and what if they said, Austin, why are you so successful? Why? I mean, what do you do you think that maybe someone else does not do that's gotten you to where you are today? The answer is, is pretty complicated. It, you know, all glory to God, first off. Yes. Um, and I think that God has seen me and my hard work mm-hmm. and he's blessed me and, and my coworkers with the fruits of that labor. Yes. Um, Sounds like you are, you have a great work ethic. In fact, I know you do. I, I, I think everyone here does. Yes. And it's not just me. It's all my coworkers as well. Uh, we really care about our cases. We don't take very many cases, mm-hmm. but the, the few that we take, we really, really pay attention to. And I think that that ends up making a really big difference when we eventually go to trial. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll be very intimate with all the facts of the case, whereas um, other firms opposing counsel are set up to where younger people kind of do the day-to-day, and then at the end, the trial lawyers will swoop in and try yes. the case. But they don't have the mastery of facts that we do because we've lived and breathed the case. I love that, the mastery of facts. So you're saying you live and breathe it, Austin, the whole way. You don't just swoop in. That's right. That's right. And, and it makes a difference. Um, it, you know, in trial, it, it makes mm-hmm. it to where we can adapt and respond to anything that's thrown our way. And that's not true. The, the other side oftentimes can't do the same. They're not as nimble because they, they haven't thought through any sort of decision tree. They don't know. They, they may know what their initial arguments are, but they don't. When we come back with a counter argument or counter evidence, mm-hmm. they have no idea where to go. God, after that's that. a great point, Austin. Because again, we have so many people, so many leaders listening to this, and it's it's easy. Obviously, you could just float by on your natural talent. You know, you know what I'm saying too. But but you have to do the work and see. I like that too, even from my perspective, because as when I when I deliver messages or sermons. Um, I try to take something like you do, complex, and make it understandable. So the road to that is complex, but to make something understandable, you've got to really, as you say, you've got to be nimble, and you've got to know those facts. I, I really like that. Okay, how do you hire people, Austin? How do you bring people in who have the work ethic like you? Because pastors are hearing this, and they're going like, wow, what, what, what can I learn? Or attorneys or whatever. How do you find people with the work ethic? I, what we look for first and foremost is people that have a competitive aspect to them, people that like to compete. That is huge, Austin. I love that. Because we're in an adversarial system. You know, there is, an, there is another side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone may not have a work ethic just naturally, but if they're competitive put them in a competitive environment, yep. they will do anything they can to win. That's right. And that's what we do, and that's, that's what we look for. I think as far as uh, 
my world, the church world, I think I think um, it's important to hire people who are competitive too. And one of the things I've thought about when we've hired people, Austin, is if you take someone, let's say for example, this is a basic illustration, who 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 they've been involved in athletics, whatever, and if you can take them and see that they somehow channel that competitiveness from athletics, or or maybe maybe it's in the world of academics or whatever, and they can move that into the church world into the legal world, you have something special. I totally agree. You know, harnessing that that power, yes. that energy, that drive is um, very essential. You know, I, I've, I've said we hire more for intensity versus intellect. I mean, I want both. Right. But if, if you had to, if you ask me, okay, you want someone who's brilliant or someone who's like, oh man, I want someone who's competitive. <laughs> right. Now, do you, would you agree with that? To some extent, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah to some extent. Okay, we, um, you know, but what? I mean, I'm sure you know Austin. A lot of people, you go, man, this guy is a genius, but or this girl's a genius, but they don't, they don't have that. There's a place for them, I guess, but not. Yeah, and and I think that's that's exactly why I, I said to some extent because we're a team. Um, not everyone really has to be super intense and driven. They can be academic. And as long as they are really producing great work product, they'll always have a place for our team mm-hmm. because, you know, sometimes, and a lot of it has to do with writing style. I'm a very punchy writer. Uh, one of my coworkers, John Summers, is a very academic writer. Mm-hmm. We complement each other's skills. Yes, that's huge. So we're, we're a very good team because of that. We, we don't all have the same writing style, the same approach, but we come together as a team and we know each other's strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. and we can see how we should staff a case and handle different issues based on acknowledging that. Okay, talk to me, Austin, again, just as, as, uh, just a leadership principle, about handling conflict amongst all of these lawyers, all of the people that you have on your team, because that's, that's, that's part of life. What are some lessons that you've learned about handling conflict? I think, one, one. I don't know if this is a lesson, but this is a tactic that we use. We just use humor. So, if if I have a problem with a coworker, I will express my problem in the form of, of a joke. Yes. And we can laugh about it at that point. I I can quickly get over it. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll know that you know, and and just is some truth. <laughs> oh yeah. And um. You know, we can really patch up everything with with humor. Not everything, but 99% of the time, we can, you know, just bust on each other. So you like so you like an environment, Austin. What you're saying, uh, you like an environment of humor, of laughter, not taking yourself or others too seriously. Absolutely. You know what I believe, Austin. I um, I think when it comes to creativity, I think everyone's a creative genius in their own way. I think when it comes to creativity, I think our best thoughts, the most innovative thoughts, emerge from laughter or conflict. I absolutely agree with that. I so mean, we so we try to have that environment too right. to joke around. But but um, okay, how about this one? Here's, here's another good question, Austin, that people are dealing with now. What do you do with people who who cycle out or who leave your team or or um, and then also, I'm going to talk to you about not 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 the legal implications, but just releasing someone. But let me start first with what do you do when someone okay 
I want to go somewhere else. How do you, uh, what does that make you feel like? How do you, how do you deal with that? It, this happened just recently, actually. And um, we've been practicing with this firm that we've built for four years. Mm-hmm. And for four years, no one's left. But until recently, someone told us that they wanted to leave. And um, it was something that uh, more than anything was... You know, it caused some personal angst. Oh yeah, because I I tend to view everyone as really like a brother. Yeah, I, I I love the people I work with and and we're all friends. But and so I was hurt because I felt like I was losing a brother. Yeah, I I did not hold it against the person who's right. leaving at all for wanting to go and see what life's like mm-hmm. in another firm. Um, and it's my hope that eventually we'll come back and practice together in the yeah. future. Um, and, and so I try to be just as gracious as possible, as supportive as possible. Um, but more than anything, I'd, I'm just going to miss the guy. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's something I, I, I think that, that we've dealt with too, Austin. When we started Fellowship uh, Church, you know, um, from a staff perspective, as you said so eloquently, the first four, five, six years, everyone stayed together. And then you had some people, you know, cycling off and, I, and, and doing other things. And I think that's uh, just, just part of it. It's part of development. You know, the, the bigger, the, the, uh, the more influence, I think that's going to be, I mean, it has been for us. Right. And I, I would say it would be for you. It's a natural part of But it of does life. hurt. The, it, yeah. it, 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 personally, it does hurt. You're exactly right. Right. And, um, you know, I'd, I'm... I totally support the attorney's decision to leave. And, oh, yeah. But, but more than anything, I'll be friends with him mm-hmm. no matter what. I mean, the business is one thing, but we will always be friends yes. with each other. Now, also, how about releasing people? Any coaching on releasing people? I, Just I've never had to do that, and I'm pretty sure there's a clause in my partnership <laughs> agreement that says I, I am not responsible for yeah, any of those um, HR decisions. Do you know? Do you know what I've done is um, about releasing people. I don't think I've ever. I might have released one person in 27 years. Um, we we again have that, and I, I encourage leaders to do that. The uh, point leaders is to have that. You know, delegated where 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 someone else can do that. But there are those times, mm-hmm. you know, where where you have to do that, and that's that's also something difficult. Would you say? Austin, would you agree that being a point person like you are, would you say many times it's kind of a lonely thing? I, I don't feel that. I don't feel that way. I, See, I, I feel that way sometimes. In other words, well, I, I mean, I have a lot of friends and everything, but I'm saying that sometimes um, I'm not sure everyone quite understands what you're dealing with as, as for me. I, I see what you're saying. Um, Sometimes there's a lot of burden that I keep to myself. That's what I'm talking about. That, that I don't want to offload on other people. Exactly. Um, and that can be stressful. I, I definitely agree mm-hmm. with that. Um, but I think that's just part of being a leader. It is, isn't it? I think so. And I think leaders, leaders want to take that responsibility. You know, We do. But there is, there's a personal cost. Definitely. Um, you know, I've had lots of sleepless nights when, you know, we've been faced with something pr- that would have dramatic neg- negative consequences. And, um, 
you know, it, it's just tough to deal with. Now, Austin, can you are you can you tell me any stories, changing the names maybe? Because I, I don't really, it, sure. Could you tell me any like stories that would be like, whoa, man, <laughs> or 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 uh, like like maybe just generally? I know you can't. We have or any kind of story. You can tell me any. Okay. I, I love stories. Any any story, Austin from Austin Curry. <laughs> any funny story? Any story? Um, it could be anything. Okay. About what uh, you do. I mean, if you want to get a, a trialer talking about <laughs> trials and, and war stories, yes. I mean that uh, we could be here all day. Um, I, I'll tell you the one of the f- most memorable experiences I had okay. in in trial was the very first witness I took. I was very nervous, and so your first witness, very first witness. Okay. And this is, <clears throat> we're going live in front of a jury and a very big case mm-hmm. nine figure case and the other side had just put nine on nine figure case yes sir whoa so and to, to flash forward a little bit in the story we ended up getting a verdict of 368 million dollars that's all that's all <laughs> um, but in this particular case the other side had put um, a very good presentation on saying that the patent should be invalidated and it was my job with my witness to respond to that and so this was the last witness of the trial. Really, everything was riding on this witness. Gosh. And we, we presented our first case, so I put the witness on direct. Uh-huh. Then on cross-examination, the, the attorney on the other side tore into my witness and his credibility and his expertise. And he had a, a very long list of, you know, you didn't do this. You've never done that. You've never done that. And it wasn't engaging on the substance of their defense, he was trying to ruin the credibility of the expert so that no one would believe him. And right after that, he passed the witness. So I go back up to the podium, and we're on redirect. And, and it's a very tense room in the courtroom. And so what I decided to do is to bring some levity to the situation. And still on the screen was the big list of things my witness had never done. I pointed at the screen and I said, I hope that's not your resume. And, and I, I don't want to overstate it that no. everyone was laughing, but yes. a lot of people started laughing. Um, it it kind of shamed mm-hmm. the other side and attacking the, the character of my witness. And then I, I reoriented the jury on what matters, which were the merits, and we moved on. There was a recross where he didn't touch it or anything like that. But um, what's memorable about, memorable about it to me is that it was my first time putting a witness on in front of the jury. It, there was a, a tactical decision about how to handle um, this character attack and um, how to respond to it effectively. And I, I thought really the best way to respond to it was to almost mock it in a jovial sort of way and get back to the merits. That's brilliant. Now, did you do that on your feet? When did you make that tactical decision? As I was walking back up to the podium. Wow. <laughs> so you just you just felt it, didn't you? I, I did um, at the time. And, you know, the, the pressures and tensions of trial um, and the adrenaline rush and mm-hmm. everything... 
um, they can inspire you to, you know, do certain things right. and take take small risks. And some of them pay off, some of them don't. But you just gotta make your choice and stick with it. Austin, you know the brilliant thing about that too. I think that you know when you when you think about um, laughter, bringing levity, as you said, right, right, to the to the situation. A lot of people don't realize this, but Jesus used humor a lot. And sometimes, you know, when when uh, effective communicators are communicating and they want to make, a, as you know, a real strong, I mean, a, a, a punch, you know, to the, to the solar plexus, you start with humor, laughter, you, you drops the guard, you know, you, you see the situation in a different way, and then boom. I, I think that's a very effective way yes. to communicate. I mean, and you see it in church a lot where pastors start, yes, out, do. start out with a joke uh -huh. and, then and then go on to right. the substance. I, I now, were you nervous, Austin, or were you just in the moment of adrenaline when you walked up to this guy? I mean, were you? Because people ask, ask, ask me that sometimes. Are you nervous when you're up there or whatever? I mean, were you nervous? At that point, I was pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, when I first started the presentation, I was nervous, and um, you know, I, I get nervous today. You know, if I go do a hearing or or do a trial, I, I still get nervous. I do too. I worry if I'm not nervous. Yeah, sometimes it, you know, it, it's a <clears throat> if you're not nervous, that's a sign that you're not prepared enough, or that you haven't thought about issues enough, and. Um, you know, anything can happen when you do something live. You can embarrass yourself. I've definitely embarrassed myself. Um, and so my, my nervousness has yeah. gone down with the yeah. times that I've embarrassed mm -hmm. myself, and it's been of no consequence. But um, I think, you know, like we were talking about earlier with a competitive as aspect, you can harness nervous energy um, to some extent. Mm -hmm. And you know, use it to make you more aware of your situation, your surroundings. That's right. And um, execute on mm -hmm. what you need to do. Well, Austin, this has been a great interview. I mean, my take home: Wow, work ethic, tenacity. You know, hiring people with that with that edge. Uh, being nervous is good. Humor. And that's that's those are those are great handles. We we try to use them. <laughs> we do too. Awesome. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, preachers and attorneys are a lot alike. I think so too. We are. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, attorneys. I I just love the way attorneys think. Um, they are. Yeah, you have to concentrate on specifics, but they're 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 generalists. They see the they see the big picture. You know. Um, they, they they understand the different sides and right. yeah, yeah they're just in speaking and preparing and there, yeah. there's a lot of similarities I mean uh, attorneys work from a set of authority yeah so do ministers That's and preachers right. um, attorneys are required to recognize the tension between different concepts of yes. the law just like um, you know a preacher or minister would play or, or see a, a link between, for example, something in the Old Testament and something in the That's New. That's right. Um, there are a lot of similarities. Austin, you're a preacher. You just did a wedding. 
Technically, I'm a preacher. <laughs> so really, it's Pastor Austin Curry, <laughs> right? <laughs> technically. Technically, see, see, technically. And you know, Austin, too, I love, my uh, closest friend is an attorney. I love how attorneys, generally speaking, allegedly, I've learned a lot, because I sometimes, before I knew him as well, I would make these, you know, and, and, and it's good to know, I mean, I think in our language, you know, it's, I, I like the way the attorneys speak, and, and I think pastors can, yeah, and, like, you know, isn't it true, or, I, I just have learned a lot from, from that well, as a speaker. Yeah, I think a, an effective speaker, um, and this is true for both mm-hmm. your field and mine, um, wants to have a persuasive aspect, Yes, and in that persuasion needs to be very deliberate in what they say. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely true because in the deliberate communication of ideas and thoughts, uh, if you're careful, if you don't overstate mm-hmm. something, then you'll preserve your credibility. You don't, you never want to overstate anything. That's the give, 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 give an example of that, Austin. Don't uh, overstate. So <clears throat> a specific example. Yeah. Just from your life or, or like maybe you've messed up or you've done something you thought, how do you how do you overstate something? Because I'm sure I do that all the time. Oh gosh, I could give you a a, a really specific, okay. but, but really dry. But I won't because I, I think it bore everyone to tears. Okay, but the law is very complex. Uh, there are general rules, general principles, and there are oftentimes, if not always, exceptions to those general rules. Yes. And so you cannot go into the, and talk to your judge or to the jury and and oversimplify comp- complex issues. And so when you communicate, you need to be just very careful about what you say, the extent of your argument. You need to account for any possible exceptions that there are. Um, because the, the attorney that overstates the case is the attorney that is going to, the attorney on the other side is going to stand up and correct you. And Mm -hmm. then at that point, you may have been persuasive for the two minutes when you overstated your case, but that two minutes ended as soon as the other attorney got up and exposed you for making an overstatement. Uh Uh-huh. And an overstatement, just give me an example of an overstatement. What an attorney could make, for sure. Um, (laughs) This is, um, (laughs) this might be a little too technical or dry, but... um, an overstatement would be something like you always need to prove every aspect of a claim as being met in order to prove infringement. Uh-huh. I got it. I got it. That, yeah. That's yeah. true for literal infringement, but there, there is a doctrine, a judicially yes. recognized doctrine called the doctrine of equivalence that provides a tailored exception to that. Mm-hmm. So, um, See, and, and here's, here's how I apply that. Okay, like right now, I've been, I'm, I'm talking about the family, okay? I'm doing a series on the family. Well, and, and maybe this doesn't make sense, but, but, but when I say the family, I try to say, yeah, I'm talking about the nuclear family, but also let me talk, I mean, there's exceptions, a single parent family, right. blended family, um, maybe you're on the brink of divorce. So I, you know, is that, is that kind of what you're saying, that you don't just say, I mean, the way I apply that would be, you know, the family, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true, but you also have to bring up 
those exceptions. Is that is that kind of what you're saying or not? Uh, yeah, Maybe so I, that that's a really good point um, and a good analog to yeah. to what I'm saying. I, I think so. You you want to make sure that when you're talking about a subject that you, all your bases are covered. And so if you're talking about a family in your scenario, what are you referring to? Yes. And yes, you know that might require clarification. Mm -hmm. It might not. Um, but if there are if there's something you want to say about a family that wouldn't necessarily be true for a single single parent right. family or a blended family, then you would need to you know, say that account for that scenario. Okay, Austin, when you do you memorize pretty much everything you're going to say or not? I absolutely do not. I don't either. I I practice, um, but I don't. Tell me memorize. about how you practice. <clears throat> In here, in this office, or do you at home when you're working out, or we um, we we tend to practice in what's called war rooms, and so when we go off to trial, okay, we'll be in a hotel, uh, the whole team, and we'll have conference rooms reserved in those hotels. Mm -hmm. We'll um, in those conference rooms; those are the war rooms, and then we'll take turns presenting our arguments or our presentations. Uh, First, just by ourselves to, to nail down the roughness, but then later uh, to each other. Okay. And so that we can get feedback on the presentation and, um, and the delivery, the substance, obviously, uh, whether, whether the syllogism made sense, um, whether there might be more background necessary for the audience to understand what's at issue, things like that. Very well said. How, okay. Talk to me about your presentation. What are you thinking about? I mean, I understand there has to be, you have to have an outline, you know, in, right. kind of introduction, whatever. But I mean, are you thinking about when maybe even to 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 raise your voice a little bit? When to that or or um, what I what I really try to focus on at trial is shifting the attention away from me and onto my witness or the evidence. Mm -hmm. um, number one, I, I don't want or need the atten <clears throat> attention, but number yeah. two, the merits are what matters, not you know me, me being bombastic or something. Mm -hmm. my, my presentation, because of that, is oftentimes very measured, at least at, at first. Mm -hmm. But then once we start sparring, you know, when it goes from direct to cross, back to redirect, that's when, that's when you can really, you know, ramp it up and start really being dynamic, just in my practice. So Austin, so you're working from an outline pretty much, right? That's correct. But you've verbally in the war room, hashed it out, and then you're ready that's for right. the courtroom. And, you know, raising, the, raising your voice or being dynamic is, you can't force it. I mean, it... That's true. It's really something it, that you've got to genuinely be worked up about. Um, the other thing, what I what I try to use more than anything, are pa <clears throat> pauses, because you can be completely monotone, but at a pause. Austin, that is so great because I need to hear that, and everyone, most people are hearing this speak. Talk to me about pauses. I think pauses are a great way to draw the attention in of the audience into what you're going to say next. And so how, if, how, if you're, you got to set something up and then follow through with, you know, a pause and then the pot, you know, after the pause, bring the punchline in. So if, 
one way to do it in, okay. in your practice would be um, say something, long pause, and then say, of course not. Whoa. You can set it up that way. That is good. <laughs> I'm going to use that this week. <laughs> okay. So just, just let, and it's thought, of course not. Right. Okay. You have um, another one? Um, still sticking on pauses? Yeah. Okay. Um, if, if the other side is really joining issue and we're getting down to the nitty gritty yes. core issue of the trial, then you can use a pause in that scenario too and just ask your witness a question about that issue point blank, you know, doctor, whoever, is it true that, and you know, just say, and then have, you know, he's going to answer one way or another, but, but the pauses is, is it, it's a, it's a really good substitute for raising your voice. So, so is it true? So I can even do that when I'm speaking because the congregation is the jury, right? Right, absolutely. Okay, so I just say, I could say, yeah, is it, isn't it true? Or, like, wouldn't you agree and then pause? Or would you say, wouldn't you agree, blah, 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 and then pause? Of course not. Or, of course. <laughs> right. You could do either one of those. See, because I think sometimes uh, pastors, and I'll, I'll talk about myself, you know, I can get so excited sometimes that when I critique myself, my 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 voice can can be up here. Not that I'm yelling, but right, a little bit. Right. And I like that also. I think I think that's a beautiful thing. What you just said, that's brilliant. So instead of it can be a substitute for raising your voice, the pause. Right. And and if all you're doing is excitedly talking, and you know, then there's that's not dynamic. So if you, you can use your, your volume for sure. And mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying pause. Oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah. Pause, you know, shouldn't be used exclusively. But I think with speaking softly, deliberately mm -hmm. using pauses, and then ramping it up to being dynamic and yes. then maybe coming back down, I think that'd be a very effective um, way to convey information to your audience. How did you learn that, Austin? Uh, just watching much better lawyers than me. Okay. In, any other techniques that you like about speaking, presenting, any words like so? You, isn't it true? Or, uh, how, what, else, what are some words you say to bring the like the the jury in? Like, uh, do you have any like those all-encompassing kind of cool phrases? I, I can't think of <clears throat> any little tricks. I mean, I, I think what what matters the most is the substance of what we're saying, and so yes. just in terms of keeping it engaging, what what we do when we prepare mm -hmm. is we think about not that we have to do a presentation because once you start thinking that then it becomes more, more of a job and you're not going to really want to do it right what what i try to encourage everyone to to do is adopt a mindset of i have an opportunity a limited opportunity to convey something to yes. my audience whether it's the judge or the jury how do i want to use that opportunity and then if you have that mindset and that you have, you know, maybe an hour to, to make an argument to your judge or, That's great. or, or some amount of yes. time to teach the jury, then it's like, what do I really want to convey to this judge or jury? 
And when that's what we focus on. It helps you to cut the superfluous. Absolutely. And to stay with the significant, doesn't it? Right. Absolutely. Austin Curry. Man, Austin. This has been awesome. I think Awesome so. Austin. And you know, I don't want to use the word awesome. You know, people use it awesome. We've, we've totally gutted the word, but this is awesome. Man, your, your whole setup. These guys are so young. It's incredible. Can't believe it. Anyway, Austin, thank you again. Austin Curry. So now Austin and I are going to go probably to some trendy restaurant uh, here. And uh, um, I think definitely I need to buy Austin's meal. I can't have him do this because I've taken his valuable, valuable time. Wow. Anyway, Austin Curry, thanks again for watching Leadership Uncensored. And we'll talk to my man Austin again. Austin, okay? All right. Thank you for having me. Austin Curry. See you later. Thank you for listening to Leadership Uncensored. Check back the 1st and 15th of every month for a brand new episode. And for more from Ed Young, visit edyoung.com and follow him on social media. If you're looking for a church, we hope to see you at Fellowship Church this weekend. Whether you live in the area of one of our locations or you join us online, simply visit fellowshipchurch.com for locations and experience times. This was Leadership Uncensored.